Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm your guest host, John Plunkett. We're live at the Radio Festival 2014 from Salford's Media City, UK. Well, actually, it's the Lowry, the theatre opposite Salford's Media City, UK, for all the news, gossip and scandal. Yes, scandal at the annual event in the company of radio programme makers and podcasters alike. Plus, as broadcasters unveil their plans for the party leader debates, we ask, do they really need Nigel Farage? This is the Media Podcast, sponsored by Audioboom. With me today, deep in the belly of the Lowry Arts Centre, are the broadcaster and podcaster Helen Zaltzman. Hi, John. The managing director of content company Something Else, Mr. Steve Ackerman. Hi, John. <laughs> and making a podcast debut, a media podcast debut at least, it's the journalist and broadcaster Emma Barnett and star, I hear, Emma, of the new uh, Five Live radio show, The Five Live Hit List. Yes, Mr. Plunkett. It's a Five Live show <laughs> presented by a woman. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> oh, oh. Are you already starting? Steady on. Uh, nothing to do with me. No, Calm lots of women down. on Five Live. Calm down, dear. Tell us, tell us a bit more about it. When's it going to happen? What the hell is it? So, it starts on November the 9th. It's Sunday evening, 7.30 till 10. And it's called The Hit List, The Five Live Hit List, which is a pun on hits, like web hits, because we're working with a group of amazing sort of data scientists from four universities. We've come up with a very clever algorithm to measure the top 40 news stories that have been shared, interacted with, and clicked on, basically, over the last week. Um, so the, the chart will update the whole time up until the programme. And and what's interesting is it's the first sort of UK news radio chart like that because obviously it's got echoes of the top 40 of the music element of it which is obviously very popular but it's what's I, what I'm really excited about is that often when I used to do my LBC show on a Sunday I'd get in and we'd decide what was important that day what the listeners should care about what I love about this is this is actually what the, the listeners already said they care about they've already voted with their feet so it's kind of news for the people by the people which sounds slightly Stalinist but I promise it's not will it be all sort of sex and funny cats so don't worry that's not what the internet we, is we are bigger than that John you heard it here first I it's have 2014 seen, I know it's 2014 um, and I have seen a couple of dummy charts already I think what's interesting is that the big stories are in there because what you've got to remember is the UK filter gets put on so when the UK filter wasn't on there was so much about Justin Bieber and various Americanisms that we just don't really care about what I love is when the UK filter goes on you'll see all the political stories mixed in there with some kind of batshit crazy stuff all right. Well, uh, Helen, Steve, Emma, you know, I mean, where to start? But what, what have your highlights been of the uh, the festival so far? My highlight hasn't happened yet at time of talking, John, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Kirsty Young talking about herself because that doesn't happen very often, does it? That's true. Uh, Steve, apart from taking part in this podcast, what's your highlight? Well, I'm also, my highlight hasn't happened yet, but I am looking forward to Sir John Hegarty 
from BBH because he's a creative genius. And I think D Ford will have some very good things to say on the management front. And the other one is Vice. I really want to hear what Vice have to say. Emma, you are contractually obliged to have a highlight. I which have has a highlight. Happened. I promise you. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness for I that. I adored seeing John Humphreys yesterday in conversation with Nicky Campbell because. I haven't seen physically seen Humphreys for so long, it seems, and I hear him every morning on the Today programme, and then I hear Nicky on the Breakfast programme, and hearing the, how they approach political interviews in the run-up to a general election was really good, plus lots of regrets about the questions that they wish they'd asked people. And they kept doing impressions of Gordon Brown. It felt a bit like the trip. Yeah. But instead, of, instead of doing Michael Caine impressions, they were both doing It was Gordon a bit Brown. weird. I noticed they didn't try and do Thatcher, which I was quite grateful about. Well, my highlight, I know you all want to ask me. Yes, too yes, shy. yes, John, what oh, is it? <laughs> thanks, Emma, thanks. And my highlight was Iggy Pop doing the John Peel Lecture, which is where we start the podcast. Yep, it's the John Peel Lecture now in its fourth year and the tenth anniversary of the broadcaster's death. The guest was widely trailed. It was, of course, the great man, the lead singer of the Stooges, Mr Iggy Pop. I've got all his records. I've got one of his records. It's a train spotting soundtrack. So, uh, all right, I'm not that cool. Anyway, he was here to discuss the relationship between capitalism and music. Let's hear a clip. But now... Everybody is a bootlegger and not so cute as before. And there are people out there just stealing stuff and saying, don't try to force me to pay. And that act of thieving will become a habit. And that's bad for everything. So we are exchanging the corporate ripoff for the public one, aided by power nerds kind of computer Putins. They just want to get rich and powerful. Now the biggest bands are charging insane ticket prices or giving away music before it can flop in an effort to stay huge. And there's something in this huge thing that kind of sucks. That was Mr. Rock. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Jazz. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Soul Music. No, no, that was Mr. Pop uh, speaking in Salford on Monday evening. I bet he um, gets that all the time. He does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve, what did you make of it? Well, first of all, here was someone who just had incredible stage presence. And so it's supposed to be, you know, a lecture. And he started by standing behind a lectern. But what he actually did was just wander all over the place, right in the face of the audience at one point, which is just terrific, actually. That in itself just really brings alive the thing. But, you know, what, I suppose what I really took away from it were a couple of things. I mean, some fantastic thoughts about creativity and obviously the usual thing about the need to give it freedom to, to sort of roam and to experiment and to learn your craft. You know, he did talk a lot about the fact he worked in a record shop and he listened to all sorts of stuff and he learned his craft by just listening to lots of different things. And when you apply that, I suppose, in a, in a radio environment or, or a creative environment, it is the same, the same lesson coming through. And Emma, he lined up a few people in his sights. He had to go at record executives for ripping him off. He had to get the public for downloading stuff for free. And he had to go at U2, uh, which is obviously the sport of the day for their, for their type with Apple and, uh, and, and forcing their album on people, whether you wanted it or not. Yeah, it, was a, it was a strange thing what U2 did, wasn't it? You know, it's the idea that imagine back in the day when we all used CDs and tapes that a record executive from Apple marched into your living room and put something in there and just left so good for him having that go at you two I mean you can have a go at them for a range of reasons but I think that's the popular one at the moment and I think I'm the only person in the world who, who can't find that U2 album on his, on his iTunes <laughs> boy have I spent a while looking for it no they knocked you off the list they knew you had taste John they've seen my Genesis collection <laughs> uh, Steve 
as I say, he had, had to go at lots of people, uh, in particular, you know, pirates and downloading stuff for free. But at the same time, he said, "But hey, hang on a minute, you know, let's not let's not penalise the kids too much. You know, that they they can't afford to watch these crappy movies. You know, so did, didn't necessarily hang together. Some people complained. I mean, what was it? What do you think? What was he actually trying to say? Do you know what? I mean, does it need? Or does it matter? To, does it need to hang together? I mean. He, came, he, he provoked some interesting thoughts. And actually, the point he made about sort of downloading movies and stuff was he said, look, it is the equivalent of, of, of the medieval being shipped off to Australia for stealing a pie, which, you know, you kind of think, actually, you know what? You know, I mean, he basically said, if you've got hardworking people who, who are working hard all day and they can't afford anything and they're ripping a bit of music off for free just to chill out in the evening, is that such a bad thing? Obviously, there's the, the issue around, around this question is no one seems to have answers on how do artists then make money or, or up-and-coming artists. And even he didn't necessarily have that answer apart from saying, by giving my stuff out for free, I've been able to diversify and get income from other places like my adverts or, or like you know, my music being used on film scores. But I thought he provoked some really interesting questions and I, I really liked that thought that he said there. And he also, Emma, watches uh, BBC One's Country File. Well, Who knew I mean, it? That's, that's the headline, right? You were tweeting that. Everyone was tweeting that. Who knew that he liked it? And I think that's given a right boon to the Country File lot. I mean, come on. Iggy with his top undone watching Country File. It's a great mental image. I have it, something in common with Iggy Pop. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was Iggy Pop, and if you missed it, uh, no doubt you can find it on the BBC's all-encompassing, world-conquering iPlayer, and it's also going to be on BBC4 this Sunday, with pictures included. Uh, next up, from the godfather of punk to the godfather of, uh, well, I'm not sure, really, perhaps you'll tell me, it's Ed Vasey, who was here on Tuesday morning. Um, he's the Minister for Culture, Communications and Creative Industries, as if you didn't know, to give the government's take on the radio industry. Emma, before we get to the, uh, the, 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 the serious stuff here, he picked up uh, a new show on Five Live. I can honestly vouch for you I had nothing to do with that, but I'm very, very happy that Ed Vasey's excited and got everyone else excited. And he told you he's doubled your audience already, yeah, is he that has. Right? He came up to me and he said, Emma, I love radio as much as you. I'm so excited you've got a show on the BBC. I've doubled your audience. And then I said, I owe you a pint, and he said, fine. Is he going to be your first guest? I think Ed likes so a you pint. have to have the pint with him? Um, him and Farage. That would be a great combo. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's not going to be a guest on the first show. But, you know, we can include him at some point. Good, Jolly. Good. Can I be? No, all right, move on. So, <laughs> Steve, uh, you heard what Ed Vasey had to say. Uh, what, what, what are the headlines? Was there a headline? Well, I'm not sure. I did hear what he had to say. I mean, it's fantastic that he, he was here. You, you want the minister here, and, and that is excellent. But Shall I tell you what you had to say? Uh, well, I just didn't. I just didn't really hear many headlines. I mean, I heard okay, licenses are going to roll over. This is analog licenses are going to roll over in the event of digital not happening, which yeah. isn't going to happen for a you while. You know, I, I sort of switched off when he started to talk about DAB switchover because I can't believe we're still talking about this in 2014. I mean, Probably not to mention it again. Yeah, I couldn't muster the same excitement he's got for the fact he's convening a digital dashboard summit, which is to look at how Load of balls. In, how in car listening will will work um, so it felt to me like he was up here and yet uh, unfortunately those around him hadn't really given him anything meaty in which he could you know which, which he could announce or, or challenges he could provoke the audience with what, sorry, what does it mean the rollover thing can someone just explain to me I used to cover this is it alright Steve if I talk about it all right, yeah, well, okay, so what they did was, with digital happening, they said, well, everyone's going to be listening on digital pretty soon, so you analogue guys, that's Classic of M, Absolute, TalkSport, have a licence extension because it's not worth going through the hassle of a, an auction so process. they don't have to reapply. That's right, did that once. And they don't have to spend any more money, is that what? That's right. right. And Kelvin McKenzie got the hump and said, well, hang on a minute, I want to bid for this, uh, you know, TalkSport or whatever. And the government said, no, you can't because it's all going to be digital quite soon. Now, digital still hasn't happened, so Ed Vase is saying, well, what we're going to do is we're going to roll them over again. 
But what happens? How long for? Well, who knows until digital happens. But if that doesn't happen until you know again and again in the future then will it be a, a state of constant rollover and how angry is Kelvin McKenzie going to be Nobody if it wants keeps that. happening I don't know that's a kind of happy byproduct, isn't it but it sounds from what you've said Steve uh, that Ed Vasey could have made the same speech five years ago and it would have seemed a little bit behind the times yeah that didn't seem to me I, I suppose the missing things were uh, you know where's the real conversation about uh, multi-platform and and how you know how you can help the radio industry to join up there what are you doing generally for the creative industries and particularly with a push for diversity that is sort of sadly lacking isn't it just that radio doesn't seem to have had that kind of moment that TV had with digital switchover because you know we're not at a critical mass point yet and, and the conversation around the platform is so not interesting to the listeners or the creatives that it's kind of very difficult for anyone to feel that engaged by this particular topic, despite its importance and despite Kelvin McKenzie being angry. Is it necessary to do it? You're trying to make Steve talk about DAB switchover. Yeah, do it, do it. Well, no, I, no I, don't, I don't think it is. I think we've, we've completely surpassed that moment. Um, it was my birthday two, two weeks ago, John. Congratulations, and my, Steve. No, no, but you, you're, you're here while I'm mentioning this. My wife very kindly bought me a, a Sonos speaker and we're now listening to the radio through the internet on with beautiful crystal clear sound that's far superior to a DAB radio on my lovely Sonos speaker. Well, you know, so my, my point really being the audience would dictate where you go with these things. You don't need to set dates because actually there's so many other devices and ways of listening now occurring that we've passed that moment where it's either FM or DAB. It, it, it's a superfluous debate so now. So it's like uh, DAB is the Blu-ray of audio. Well, no, I mean, it's not the blue because it's not dead. I mean, it's got its place. Uh, of course it's important. It's got its place. But, but it's not one or the other. It's not one or the other. But a lot of people in the radio industry seem incredibly dismissive of the idea that anyone is listening to anything via the internet, which, uh, as a podcaster, infuriates me quite a lot. Well, a lot of people in the radio industry are wrong. Yay! <laughs> Steve Ackerman says so, so I'm going with that. And uh, sticking with politics for a moment, and away from the festival, if you will, the four major British broadcasters, Sky, BBC, ITV and Channel 4, have proposed a series of televised debates in the run-up to the general election in 2015. But they're in hot water already, as one of the debates would include Nigel Farage of UKIP, but not one of the other small parties, the Greens. And we all love the Greens. Didn't get them a seat in my local council in St Albans, though, despite my vote. It's a secret ballot, don't tell them. Not only that, it ignores the joint proposal laid out by The Telegraph, The Guardian, and YouTube. That is, of course, for a more of an internet-based debate. So two things there, Emma. Well, you take up one of them. First of all, the green issue. So the idea that, you know, certain parties are now going to not be involved with the party debates, yes, it's being opened up for Nigel Farage, it kind of... It, I understand why the Greens want to take, potentially, everybody to court about this. I mean, it's quite interesting. If you're going to open it up beyond the, what are the three major political parties to a party that's only got one NP, possibly two, if Mark Reckless gets in, you know, it is opening the floodgates. And I think I can understand why Natalie's in that position of the Green Party and wants to do that. Uh, so what would you do? No Farage or, or, or have Farage the Greens? But then isn't it, a, isn't it sort of a, 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 a bottomless pit of politicians? What a terrible image that is. But um, where does it all end? Gladiators-style challenge and then the two that make it through the uh, travelator oh. get to talk. Please. Like, I can't imagine like people being gladiators, mud, nakedness. Is that what you're thinking here, Helen? I was, I was thinking more ITV, Birmingham <laughs> NEC-style gladiators. Okay, They're wearing fine. spandex. But the naked mud wrestling with, is, with, you know, with, it's a thought with too. With a travelator. Yeah. Okay. No, no. What I was going to say was I don't think Nigel Farage should be included necessarily. I think... John Humphreys saying that yesterday just because he's apparently the most high profile politician in the land I, don't, I just don't see him as one of the three contenders in that way because of the amount of MPs he has in Westminster 
Okay, and Steve, the other thing missed out by the uh, the broadcasters in their plan on Monday was uh, no greens, but also um, no room, it would appear, for this idea put forward by Telegraph, Guardian and YouTube for, for an internet-based debate, which would have a, a whole, you'd imagine, a whole separate digital angle to the thing. I think that's incredible at a time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When there's so much conversation about the population being disengaged from politics, and when we know that the, the uh, numbers of youth audiences are, are you know, highly skewed towards online, it just seems incredible that as politicians you wouldn't have the foresight to understand it. And I don't, I don't really understand the, the downside of why, of why you wouldn't want to do that. Well, also, last election, they were all going on Mumsnet and doing debates on there, and that, that was nearly five years ago, and that was to a different audience. Why, why is this not just automatic now? Also, you'd do things slightly differently if it was internet first. You know, you'd, you'd have kind of streams of information moving around it. It would be marketed in a different way. It would be targeted in a different way. And, and it is just different to the linear TV experience, which is why, you know, I hope that we could do something like that. Now, speaking of my Telegraph hat on, and obviously John from The Guardian, you know, I think they, they would be fools not to look at that proposal more carefully. And also... Who's going to be presenting all these things on television? As far as I can see, it's just going to be a load of blokes talking to a load of blokes. Like, maybe get some women involved if we do it on the internet. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think Kay Burley is going to introduce the, uh, the proposed Channel 4 Sky News debate, but that will actually be anchored by Jeremy Paxman. Right, so she's, yeah. we've got a woman introducing it. But, you know, I mean, that, to all due respect to Kay, I think it's great. And she's obviously a familiar face on TV. But when are we going to move beyond women being the sort of eye candy and the, the warm-up act rather than the actual interviewers? It's incredible, isn't it? It's going to be the catchphrase of this podcast, but it is 2014. And we're still struggling to get one woman on a on a debate of leaders. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Barnett should host it. No, no, shut up, Dalton. <laughs> Salzman, you sh- you're the internet. You should invade this. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> well, the Labour backbencher Tom Watson was here at the festival, and I caught up with him on Monday evening to get his view. 
Well, first of all, it was very bold that the, the broadcasters have obviously given up on the government and are defining their own uh, debate terms and essentially saying you can turn up if you want to. I think there's a couple of things missing from their offer. The first is uh, there doesn't appear to be a slot for the Greens, which, uh, you know, they're broadly broadly the uh, same density of representation as uh, UKIP. I think there's a fairness issue for them. Secondly, they seem to forget that the internet exists and there is a bid in to make sure that um, you, we can live stream and allow the sort of wonderful world of um, the internet to play a role as a some of the media organisations and YouTube have come together to do that and I think that probably needs addressing as well but this is a step forward and hopefully the leaders will realise that they you know they can't hide from this they've got to you know they made themselves accessible in 2010 and they've got to do it in 2015 How important is that? Uh, I guess it's the Guardian Telegraph and others isn't it that the, uh, the internet offering how, 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 why is that important in an age where everyone's got you know TV, iPlayer anyway why is it so important to well, get it I, online? I, I, I don't you know you could live without it but I just think it's an innovative offer and the one thing about doing it online is you, you know, there are new forms of engagement involving online communities. I think there's just a, a richer debate to be had when you've got an online debate uh, than that on sort of straight linear or uh, or linear TV. So, you know, there's a younger audience, there's a, a more networked audience, and. Uh, the sort of people who, uh, you know, follow Question Time on Twitter and don't bother turning on the BBC need to look in this election as well, in my view. Do you think it's going to happen? I mean, Cameron and Clegg seem to have knocked these proposals into the long grass. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard Miliband or, or what Labour had to say about it yet. Well, there's a little bit of toe-to-toe uh, going on at the moment. I mean, you, you know, if it was me, I'd put the seats down and uh, dare them not to come. And... Um, you know, I don't know whether the broadcasters will have the bottle to do that ultimately, but they should do. I mean, they should, you shouldn't allow Prime Minister of the United Kingdom to run away from holding himself to account. I mean, it's just, you know, the tele- television's been with us for, in everyone's home for nearly half a century now. It's time politics got wise to that. Your idea that the BBC ended up being the, the ISP of the large resort, what, what, what do you mean by that? This is the idea that if, if we allow full marketisation of the net and you allow premium, premium content providers to sort of buy buy their way at the front of the broadband pipe so, so that lots of innovators and content providers uh, you know, lose out, can't get to market. What's the best way that the BBC should use licence payers' money? Should they try and buy that premium access from the ISPs as well in, in, you know, for the first time being purchasers? Or should they become an ISP, be an ISP of last resort to protect new, let net neutrality and to guarantee that it can reach its charter obligations which is universal access to uh, to its to its content and my view is if we if we allow we allow some of these big copyright holders to sort of get hold of ISP ISPs in a way that means that they they're they're first in the queue all the time that might be a BBC solution it's quite radical it deserves an airing and further debate I think and um, you know the way to do that would be in the charter negotiations in the run up to 2016 and you said uh, that the BBC might consider swapping Radio 3 with Six Music, having pointed out that Six Music now gets, gets a bigger audience despite not being on FM or analogue at all. Well, I think they should seriously consider that. I mean, you know, Six Music is a huge success story for the BBC. You know, they tried to close it down and its audience has doubled since, the, since that day. And it, they've now got more listeners digitally than... Radio 3 has got digitally and over the FM network. I think Radio 3 has got about 300,000 listeners. Well, 
you know, on on those terms, Six Music should be knocking at the door for that FM uh, that FM slot, and they'd have an even bigger audience. That you know, there are a lot of discerning music uh, listeners out there. They've built a very powerful brand and a very strong offer, uh, and um, the only way they're going to expand is getting an FM uh, an FM slot. And I think it's worth the BBC considering. So you weren't just making mischief. No, I, I was actually very serious about that. Although obviously you're a six music fan. I'm a six music fan, so I, you know I, I, I readily admit I've got a particular position on it. But it, it does strike me that uh, if the Radio Three audience continues to diminish and six music continue to grow its audience, then you know the BBC should really consider these. You know they have to ration their FM uh, their FM slots. It must be you know must they must put it on the agenda. I think. When there always be a public service argument in favour of BBC, the Radio Three and the fact that no one else does that. Well, no, I'm not saying close radio, uh, BBC Three, but I'm saying it is beca- it is becoming a niche station, and niche stations can be provided digitally and over the net. So you haven't got in car DAB yet. That's what I'm surmising I, here, Tom. I, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. No, 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 no certainly not. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom. Have thank I haven't got a car. <laughs> <laughs> well. yeah. Hello, this is producer Matt butting in to say that this episode of the Media Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. If you need a website that looks good and is easy to set up, that'd be Squarespace. If you need a place to showcase your photography or a showreel or archive, that'd be Squarespace. Don't believe me? Get a free trial with no credit card required and see for yourself. And if you decide you like what you see, you can get 10% off by entering the code MEDIAPOD at the checkout. Plans start at $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for one year. Begin building your website with Squarespace today. And don't forget, you'll receive 10% off when you use the offer code MEDIAPOD. Helen, Emma and Steve are still with me. Uh, we were talking about women before the break. And, uh, well, it's, it's, uh, if it's an issue in the election debates, it's also an issue still on Radio 2, where the controller and master of all radio, Bob Shannon, uh, said that it's bound to come a day when, yes, there will be a woman presenter on Radio 2 daytime. But he couldn't say when or who or, or who's going <laughs> to m- make room. What, what, what do you guys make of that? You know, is, it, is it still a, degra- a disgrace? Or, you know, they are very, very popular, the, the daytime all-male line-up on Radio 2. So should we give uh, Shannon a break? I feel like I should hand over to Steve to do his catchphrase at this uh, juncture. <laughs> it's 2014. Why are they acting like this is uh, still a bit of a novelty? Because you hear people covering for some of those men, like Jane Garvey is brilliant in Jeremy Vine slot. I know people love Jeremy Vine, but she's fantastic. I don't think the listeners would go away. Most of the listeners are female to Radio 2 Daytime. Why is it so extraordinary? Is it, is it better, though, that they just dump in some uh, women co-hosts that don't get to do anything? That probably wouldn't be better. I'm going to say something slightly controversial. Yes. Quick, hit the alarm. I agree. Obviously, I agree. I'm the women's editor at The Telegraph. All I talk about all day, every day, is, is, is what women think about things and, and where they are and what they're doing. But... I did think it was very odd, you know, this kind of quota idea when it was announced that, you know, we're going to just make sure there are lots more women on air when, when Lord Hall said that. Because at the end of the day, also, these, these, these blokes, a lot of them, have wives, have families, have people to support. You're not, we're not talking about, you know, sort of chess pieces you can just move in and out here. We, we all know radio is a really amazing gig. If you get a show, you don't move off it for a long time. And if you're popular, I don't know if we should be... While it seems crazy and it's a hangover and I want to see more women... I also just want to say I don't think men should lose their jobs just because we need more women, men who are good broadcasters. And that's also what's at stake here. 
But it does seem that when they put people into new slots, they are still men. Chris Evans and Simon Mayo being relatively recent hires because obviously people do stay at Radio 2 for as many decades as possible. I suppose what I'm so that's a, that's a very fair point. That's a good point. But all I'm actually saying is. For people who've been there for a long time, I'm not comfortable being in a chorus of people, even though I'm, you know, an ardent feminist, a strident feminist, just saying you should lose your job when they're a good broadcaster. And it's far from the only station that has very few women on the lineup. And I think with quotas, they should not make those public. They should just be very attentive to it in their hiring process but not tell people that's what they're doing but also it comes back to steve's point the diversity element of this you know it's not just about gender it's also about background and it's what what people come from you know i do think we sometimes dare i say it again we get a little bit obsessed with gender and don't talk about the diversity element of this both of those areas are wrapped up in the same thing aren't they which is really about uh for the creative industries as a whole you need to reflect the society that you're living in and the issue we have not just for radio 2 but for you know for radio tv advertising is that these mediums do not tend to reflect at the moment the society which the uk is and that's both the male female split and also the diversity issue i suppose that gender comes up because it's the division that cuts across race and uh, background and class and all of that but affects everybody. Of non-white women trying to get into radio. Would you even try, or would you just think, what is the point of me trying to climb that coal face? That's what I'm trying to say to you, yeah. though. Well, let's look at also the stream of women yeah. who are in the, those positions potentially for those jobs. Are they diverse? I don't actually think they are. Which is, which is controversial in itself. And Steve, before we leave Radio 2, uh, one other issue that um, independent production companies get a bit grumpy about is, is the lack of opportunities for indies, particularly in their daytime schedule, where they're all made uh, in, in, in-house. What do you make of that? Well, my colleague Jez Nelson is going to be speaking about this at the, uh, at the festival on behalf of RIG, the Radio Independence Group. So I don't want to preempt too much of what he's going to say, but I, but I will pick up on one, one interesting stat, which is, just like TV, uh, the BBC has introduced a, a WOC for radio, the Window of Creative Competition, they call it, which is basically uh, slots that can be competed for between indies and in-house. And um, about 80% of of those slots have been won by indies. Pretty similar story on TV as well. The vast majority have been won by TV indies. And the reason that's relevant is because really what's in the interest of the licence fee payer? Can you save money and can you come up with the best creative ideas wherever they come from? And therefore if indies are coming up with the best creative ideas and because they uh, obviously are private companies, you can assume they're probably going to run more efficiently by default so therefore can you make savings if you can tick both those boxes then I think the question has to be why wouldn't you want to do that uh, in terms of the licence fee payer and their interests Okay, and we shouldn't leave without talking about podcasting Um, Helen Hi. Been a bit of a natter about this at the, at the festival. Oh, didn't we? It's, it's odd because I've been on at them for years to cover podcasting in a panel this year for the first time. They're not only doing it, they're doing three different uh, things oh about goodness. podcasting. It's, uh, it's mainstream. Uh, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Next year, Every, the podcast festival. It. <laughs> it's about bloody time, John. The rude health, yeah? What was the, what was the verdict? Um, well, the They man, might not all have happened yet. I, I think uh, there's still everything to play for. I personally think this is a very good time to be a podcaster because suddenly there's a lot more interest in it. People are saying, oh, podcasting's back. It never went away. As far as I can see, it's been growing steadily for the whole time I've been doing it, which is nearly eight years. The audience has been growing, awareness has been growing. It's not like it went down at some point and then has made a comeback. It's just suddenly now there's a lot more money in it, which makes people more interested in it. But a lot of the interest is coming from abroad rather than in Britain. I really wish that a lot of the audio industry in Britain 
would give a shit about it. That would be really nice. Uh, and Steve, is there is there a case to do many commercial radio stations? Do they do they are they making the most of podcasts, or is it is really the growth from, in podcasts more sort of independent? You know, away from the mainstream. Well, absolutely, absolutely, have had some success, haven't they? But I think it is it is away from that. And actually, I think maybe one interesting development that's coming down the track is uh, Audible, who are owned by Amazon, have just announced that they are going to be funding significant commissioning. And uh, when you think that's going to be in the online space and therefore the overlap that can have with, with traditional podcasts, that might open the doors to a whole new world of, of uh, podcasters actually getting decent funding for their, for their programming. Uh, we've been asking Audible, Ollie and I, um, to make a podcast for them since 2010. <laughs> now feels like uh, finally on board, we're not really that bothered about it anymore. Uh, Steve, uh, Emma, Helen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for today. No quiz this week. Why, you've got plenty of other stuff. Come on, no complaints. This week's episode is dedicated to Kate Lockney, an Irish expat living in Melbourne who's trying to keep up to date with the British media. And to Phil Maguire, Chief Executive of the multi-award-winning Prison Radio Association and PRA Productions. Don't forget you can get the podcast as soon as it's ready by subscribing via the website, themediapodcast.com. My name's John Plunkett and the producer is Matt Hill. Until Ollie Mann's back with you next time, goodbye! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.